if we don't show up in the spaces, nobody's going to think it's okay for us to be there. So we have to just show up. Yes. Even if it's not asked, you know what I mean? So. Welcome to Black Executive Podcast, where we share inspiration and actionable advice for Black creatives going pro. I'm your host, Jazz. With each episode, we'll chat with Black creatives thriving in entrepreneurship, corporate careers, and the nonprofit sector, all while building a network of Black creatives, six head nods apart. Enjoy the show, where the dreamers become doers and the aspiring become inspired. Let's get started. What's up, y'all? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Black Executive Podcast. Today, we're talking to yoga instructor, photographer, and designer, Erica East. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, Jasmine? Yay, I'm so happy that you're finally on. I know it's been like going in circles trying to get you on. Um, y'all, Erica is a powerful champion of yoga for Black folks and LGBTQ representation in several industries, including photography and a master designer. So I am so grateful to be talking to her today. So glad that you're on the show. And I cannot wait to dive into your experiences. Thank you. Master designer. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> well, it is, it is a recurring theme here that I hype all of my guests up because I feel like y'all are all superb or I would never have asked you to be on the show in the first place. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. So I've noticed that not only are you a dope yogi who champions for fellow Black yogis, but it seems like based on your social media you document your journey through photography. So I'm really interested today in talking about like those intersections of yoga, photography, your design background, and the LGBTQ community and the Black community. So can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you kind of got started with just any of that? Yeah, sure. So just a big overview. Um, I'm a Black lesbian creative like you said, yoga, graphic design, photography, um, just overall, like I love artistic expression, whether it's moving arts, mm -hmm. graphic arts, things like that. So um, I just I just have a big passion for art and expression in general. And that's kind of how I got into everything that I'm into. I just try to explore and anything I'm drawn to, I, I research it, I uh, educate myself and if it sticks, it does. I've tried a lot of things. And, you know, these are the main things that have kind of stuck around over, I guess, the course of my life. I'm not that old, but <laughs> <laughs> these things have, have kind of stuck around. And um, I've just been able to build and grow on these, uh, these main uh, passions that I have. So, so what, which came first? Was it like the yoga, the photography, or like the design career? So I'd say the uh, design came first. And I only say that because uh, I guess I was at five years old. I was like drawing pictures and uh, just mm -hmm. exploring in art. Didn't really take any art classes. I was just really exploratory. I didn't go to school for graphic design. Um, I went to school for business and marketing. Uh, really? got my Yeah, definitely. Yes. And I took in college, I took one in design course. And that was the extent of the uh, formal training that I had in uh, graphic design. Wow. Yeah. So essentially I just, I, I went the easy route, the safe route, did business because, you know, that that's a, a safe way to kind of secure a job and pay your bills. Mm -hmm. um, right. 
wanted to go for graphic design and art, but um, my parents kind of <laughs> kind of shifted me in another direction, and I kind of went with that, uh, went with what was safe. But mm-hmm. overall, like after college, I taught myself Photoshop, taught myself all the Adobe programs, um, did a bunch of tutorials on YouTube. So I just really immersed myself in design after college, just on my own, just kind of teaching myself all of the programs and just ed- educating myself, kind of learning to be a designer. So that's so, so design came first. Okay, cool. So you kind of started off in design and did, did you, from there, did you kind of find yourself interested in photography? Was that like a natural progression or did you kind of get into yoga and then wanted to document that? So after, after design, definitely it came photography because um, just in like doing like my own side projects uh, and building out my portfolio, I wanted to take my own photos um, and just put those on my website and things like that. So I just, I, I started kind of playing around with different branding, um, did mm-hmm. some product branding and things like that. So that's kind of where I uh, landed with photography. I, uh, a while ago, I started a, uh, a clothing line. Um, this was like, okay. <laughs> this was right after college. This was my like experimental phase. Like I started uh, doing, I designed some t-shirts and accessories and things like that. Hats. It was called a quaint apparel. And essentially mm. we partnered with a uh, nonprofit that was based in DC and they were over in Tanzania doing uh, mission work, uh, building schools for kids in Africa. So wow. Any of the proceeds that we got from those uh, shirt sales, we uh, donated to that nonprofit to kind of help um, with their mission and their uh, building schools and helping uh, people in Africa out there. Um, so that that was uh, pretty short lived. I, I did it for maybe two or three years, and then I kind of shifted to just doing photography fully. After that, you know, I shot friends. I got a couple of um, like side projects and things like that for freelance work and just kind of, you know, just enjoyed myself taking photos, Mm -hmm. kind of learning about, you know, photography and digital imaging and things like that. So. Okay. That's nice that you kind of had like this clothing line for a cause. You see people start clothing lines, like everybody, it seems like everybody has a clothing line now, like everybody's or a boutique that they're trying to get started, but you don't always necessarily hear that they're doing philanthropy work, um, you know, associated with it. So I think that's really cool that you associate with the cause. And I think in modern times now, we see more and more that uh, customers most identify with brands that they know are actively engaged in philanthropic endeavors because we want to feel like we're good people and we're buying products from good people. So um, that's pretty cool. I I definitely, if you still have that going, I would definitely support. I feel like that's a that's a great cause. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, um, that nonprofit is kind of they they've shifted their mission, and um, I think they still do work out in Africa. Um, but I I don't have that website up anymore. But I do have uh some kind of shirts and things like that for uh, social justice and things like that. But um, yeah, I, th- okay. I thought it was important to kind of give back and. Mm-hmm. You know, back then when I when I had that line, I wanted to um, I didn't just want to sell shirts. I wanted to, you know, have a mission behind what I was doing and um, and just kind of partner with people and share my talents and also, you know, give back uh, any way I could if, if I was able to profit from that. So I think that's very telling about your character, because even like with you 
being in yoga, I know, and we talked about you being on this show. One of the first things that came up was like being a black yogi and having that representation in that space. And then also, you know, more LGBTQ representation in photography. So I like this, this greater purpose behind a lot of the things that you're into as a creative. And I mean, of course, creating for the sake of creating, but also having a greater cause behind that, that could somehow shift or change the culture or the mindset of the world in some type of way. So absolutely. Kinda, yeah. from that, when you decided to get into yoga, can you talk a little bit about that experience Mm-hmm. Um, getting started and attending studios and kind of looking around and realizing you didn't see a lot of people who look like you. Yeah, sure. So um, my first experience with yoga was, I think it was in 2012. I was in Atlanta. I went to a yoga class for the first time. And, you know, in in high school, middle school, I was I, I ran track, played tennis, basketball all those things. So I was really active. I was like, okay, I can do this yoga thing. Went into the yoga class. I I was so sure that we were about to do some easy stretches and like, (laughs) just, you know, know, just some kind of meditation type things. And um, I got in that class and I was struggling. Like I was really, (laughs) I was struggling to hold warrior one, all all that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like a challenge. So, uh, you know, throughout the class, they, they call poses, you can modify, you can level up and, you know, do more advanced things. And I was in there trying to do crow pose and uh, all those other, you know, crazy uh, wow. poses. First um, class trying to do crow? The first Bold. class. Bold. <laughs> the first <laughs> class. But I was struggling. So um, I was in there and then I was, you know, I was, I, I was humbled first of all, because I went in there thinking we were just about to do some stretches, but, um, I was humbled. And, um, what I, I, I got out of the practice, just perspective, you know what I mean? And, um, it mm-hmm. took a lot more yoga classes after that to really get into the, uh, the spiritual side of it for me. But mm-hmm. that first class for me was, it was kind of like a wake up call, like, okay, yoga is more than, um, just these simple stretches that you think it is. So, um, that challenge yes. of, of, Right, right. That challenge of doing, uh, you know, those those advanced poses and things like that uh, really kind of hooked me. And um, I didn't go back for I didn't go back for a while. Um, when I moved to Charlotte is when I really started uh, going to yoga uh, regularly. And that was not that long ago. That was probably in 2016. So I kind of let go of yoga for, uh, you know, for a few years. And then um, when I moved, to Charlotte, I um, really got into it, started going to classes weekly, started really getting into the practice. For me, it was, it was just a different experience, something that really added benefit to my life. Um, And it sounds really cliche, but, but when you do the practice, and you're consistent in the yoga practice, like you really feel Mm -hmm. um, this emotional, mental, spiritual and physical connection. Yes, you feel grounded in, in all of those aspects. So um, that's why I kept going. In 2018, I uh, got my uh, yoga certification to teach from Yoga One. I've been teaching for uh, over the past two years. So um, I just really loved it. And um, being a Black lesbian in Charlotte, going to yoga uh, was interesting. 
My, mm, I'm sure. <laughs> the first class I went to, I can't remember the name of the studio, but uh, the first class I went to, I think I was the only black person in there. The woman kind of came up to me and was like, you know, have you been, have you done yoga before? And I'm like, yeah, I've, I've done yoga before. Um, and, and after that, she just really didn't say anything else to me in the class. She was assisting other students, helping them, greeting them. But mm-hmm. it was just this weird, separate experience uh, yeah. in class. And, you know, I'm new to Charlotte, so I'm kind of hopping around at different studios, um, trying to find like what feels good, what feels like home for me. And um, I went to literally I went to maybe five or six different yoga studios in Charlotte all of them kind of the same vibe, mostly all white, just this kind of cookie cutter uh, yoga studio vibe. And I was just like, this is not going to work. I don't, I don't feel good here. Mm-hmm. So I found Kelly Carboni Wood. She was teaching like a community yoga class and this is a black yoga teacher. And she, mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't remember somebody uh, that was living in my apartment complex told me about her class. So I went to her class and it was amazing. There were people that looked like me. There were all body types, you know, queer people, you know, it it felt good. It felt really good. And, um, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like this fancy, you know, showy type vibe at all. So that space was something that I really, uh, appreciated because after being to like six, seven other yoga studios previous to that one, I was kind of discouraged. Like, I don't know if this thing's going to work. So, um, so I found Kelly's studio and um, she does uh, she does private lessons. And um, I think she teaches a community class still now. But um, after Kelly, I uh, was introduced to Yoga One, um, which is where I got my teaching certification. And when I came in there, the vibe felt like really warm. It felt welcoming. It felt inclusive. Mm-hmm. So it was that was kind of my yoga home. That's where I did my yoga teacher training. Um, there were brown people, gay people like every every kind of person you can um think of and this yoga studio wasn't perfect by any means but they were making steps to recognize their faults in you know whether mm-hmm. it's discrimination or you know not being as inclusive as as um people would like you know things like that so that was appreciated essentially yoga one was my my home studio that's kind of you know where i got my start i taught there for a little bit they closed down their studio Kali Yoga opened almost a year ago today. Um, they opened and um, I teach there uh, on Sundays and also teach online a little bit too. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of my, my yoga journey in a nutshell. There, there are two things I want to kind of touch on there. The first being, what was the, the catalyst that made you want to be an instructor? Was it more along the lines of um, you know, I, I'm really passionate about this. I want to help people. Was it more along the lines of there's not a re- enough representation? I want to be a part of that representation. Was it like a combination of both? Was it a different reason? Like what, what was your motivation for that? Good question. My main reason for wanting to teach was, I guess it was twofold, like pretty much what you said. Um, the experience that I had in, you know, visiting previous yoga studios, it wasn't a welcoming experience. Mm. I got to yoga one and I saw people that looked like me. Um, I think our, our yoga teacher training class had, we had, uh, how many people we had maybe seven 
brown people in our yoga teacher training out of, Mm. there were about 29, 29 people total. Like we had the biggest teacher training class. But in general, like you look at all the photos of the yoga teacher trainings um, in previous years, there's maybe one black person. Mm. Look at it today and, you know, look at different yoga studios, you'll see one or two black people in there. So I, I really wanted to show up and even being in the yoga teacher training initially, it was for a better standing, understanding of yoga and the practice um, mm-hmm. and how to integrate it into my life. But when I got into teacher training, um, it was great to see a handful of black and brown people. And that made me want to continue to show up. So um, just not seeing that representation in the other yoga studios, going to yoga and like me being the only brown, black and brown person in the room um, mm-hmm. wasn't cool. Like there were there was there was one no there were two black yoga teachers at yoga one outside of me teaching like so before i started my yoga teacher training there were two black yoga teachers and i think there were about 30 teachers total at yoga mm. one cuz yoga one wow. was had two studios huge rooms so out of maybe 30 teachers maybe more there were two black teachers before i started teaching um after our teacher training they hired like four, four of us. So now there's like six total, you know? So it was cool to see that change and see, see those shifts. But, um, but still like me wanting to be a black teacher and then see a black student come into the room, I'm like running Mm -hmm. over to them, like happy greeting them (laughs) because I know how it felt to, you know, in that space and not be greeted and just kind of be treated like, okay, you don't know anything. You're, you're this you know, you know, this person is just walking in that it is not familiar with this practice, but just, just to try to be in that space where it's like a whitewashed, um, Mm -hmm. yoga energy. Like that's just like, be, I wanted to show up in those spaces. And even though it was uncomfortable, like I wanted to be in those spaces. So when other black people came in, they saw me and we stood tall and we, you know, we were able to get in the front Mm -hmm. of the room and practice and, you know, and, yes. and do our, so th- that, w- that was mainly my motivation. I, I really wanted to help people, everybody overall, but I really wanted to show up and, and let black people know that we can show up in these spaces, even though it doesn't seem like we're welcome. Let's welcome yeah. ourselves and, and, and let's continue to, to um, support each other in these spaces. Yeah. I think, I think that is so dope. My yoga journey started when I was back home in Arkansas. So Oftentimes, I was the only Black student in the class. I did not come across a Black instructor until I had been practicing maybe two to three years. Right. Um, and once I came across him, I was loyal until the end, until I moved. Um, I went to his class every week. Um, right. And only his class. Like, it, even if I took a break, I wouldn't go to somebody else's class. I would only, <laughs> loyal, yes. I would only go to his <laughs> class. And I, I remember him leaving his full-time job and he talked about opening his own studio and I was like where you go I will follow you know Please. just because like he was a black person and a black male doing yoga which was even more I think this is one of the yoga maybe one of the few places where black men are even more rare than black women right. in this space <laughs> so right. I was just like oh man like I really um I really hated to have to leave him when I came to Charlotte but I know that there are so many other wonderful instructors as you've already talked about who are pioneering, including yourself. So one thing I kind of wanted to talk about with that is 
how did you decide or what are your thoughts more so? I would say that I know that this has kind of been controversial before, but what are your thoughts on monetizing yoga? Because I I remember at one point I considered being certified um, back when I was maybe like my third year in and um, like one of my friends who was also practicing, you know, he was like, I want to be an instructor, but I don't want to charge. Like, I just want to be free because I just want people to know and I want to teach them the ways. And I was just like, I respect that. But the capitalist American in me (laughs) (laughs) participates in this system. So, like, what are your thoughts on on that? Right. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you on on, uh, uh, (laughs) like we should participate and, and not to be greedy, but we should value our own time and others should value our time. Yes. Right. Yes. So that's, that's how I feel about it. Um, some people kind of take it over the top, which everybody has their own, um, th- they have their own preference for how they want to run their business, how they want to run their life. And I don't judge that. Um, but for mm-hmm. me, I, I definitely like when it comes to photography, uh, design, yoga, all those things, I have to put my time and my creative efforts into, and I do feel mm. like um, that's worth something. You know what I mean? Um, yes. So I had to learn that a, a while ago because I, I was, uh, when I first started uh, all my design stuff, I was new to it. I was teaching myself and mm-hmm. I was like, well, I could do this for you for free. I can do this for free. I could do-. And then I'm like, all my time is being spent doing stuff for free. And I'm like, I really need to, mm-hmm. <laughs> I really need to start charging because somewhere there's a market for it. Somebody, you know, yes. is in your range of, you know, what you're offering monetarily. So, I mean, I had to learn it and everybody's probably going to have to mm-hmm. do the same, but just for me, my personal experience, you know, I, I had to learn how to value my work and my time. And now I'm not, I'm not afraid to ask for what I'm worth. You know what I mean? So, um, so yes. yeah, and, and there are times where I will offer uh, offer up community classes or offer up mm-hmm. uh, you know social justice work things like that for design or photography services you know just on a one off basis based on mm-hmm. you know whatever the project is or whatever the initiative is and um, I think it's important too to give back and have that balance. Yeah, I think that's that's super important to mention, and I feel like. And one of the reasons why this podcast is, exists is I feel like a lot of times when you're a creative, especially when you're getting started, like you mentioned, it like that imposter syndrome can kind of play onto how much you charge or if you charge at all, because you're like, I'm still learning. So I don't feel comfortable charging you as I'm learning. Like, what if I mess right. something up? Or what if I don't do a good job? And then I, you know, I feel bad because I've charged you for this service. But, you know, at a certain point you realize like, you know what, I am doing decent quality work and I should be being compensated for my time. Like you said, the creative energy that I'm putting towards this, I think that's very important. Uh, And a lot of, you're right, right, a lot of creatives just have to kind of learn that in their own time. Like at what point do you decide like, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to start charging. (laughs) Right, right. And, And I feel like it's a, like you said, imposter syndrome. Am I good enough? I just started this. You know, mm-hmm. do I know what I'm doing? You kind of have those um, voices in your head, and you're like, you know, trying to uh, justify what you're doing. But I, I think, yeah. I think, you know, at some point, you're gonna say, you know, I, you know, I am worth it. My time, my efforts are worth it. So, um, so yeah, and it's a good lesson that to have because you have to go through it to kind of see it. But, um, but mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, I appreciate that lesson, definitely. Okay, another hot take that I have, and this was brought to my attention before, and I just, I didn't really know how to respond. Because I've been practicing yoga, but I'm, like I've told you before, I'm definitely not on your level with my consistency. It's something I need to be better about. But I have been practicing for about eight years on and off. So one thing that's come up, like I know a lot of times, especially being a black yogi, we talk about like almost hashtag yoga so white, you know, like it's just like <laughs> we're not even being represented in these spaces. Like, but we in here, we doing yoga. We need to be, you know, represented. But, you know, yoga in itself, especially um, Hatha and Bikram, which has been like westernized so much, has really been whitewashed and westernized, as as you said. So what are your thoughts on like yoga for Western culture being like considered appropriation of Indian cultural practices? Like, do you do you agree with that? Do you disagree? Do you feel like we've kind of made it our own in a sense? Right. So first I'm going to say, uh, hashtag yoga. So white. I like that. I'm going to start putting that in my, <laughs> I'm going to start putting that in my post. <laughs> it's true because it's very true. But, um, so, uh, do I feel like, uh, the Western culture has appropriated, uh, those kind of styles of yoga and mm-hmm. made it their own? I, I do feel like that. And I think, you know, with it being whitewashed and like, we have all these like, fancy yoga clothes and you, you, you don't need all that for yoga. Like you really don't mm-hmm. need all that for yoga. And we have the, the culture has just kind of been shifted mm-hmm. to be like divisive kind of separate energy. And, um, mm-hmm. for me, like, like it's not like you, if you look on, um, and just recently I've seen this cause I, I kind of follow, uh, yoga, yoga magazine, um, or yoga mm-hmm. journal. I follow Yoga Journal and uh, Yoga Alliance and all those. uh, And with all this stuff that's been happening since uh, February, it's been happening for us since forever, all the social justice issues. But people are seeing it and they're saying, well, let me put all these these images of black yogis on these Instagram pages and in these magazines Mm, and write these articles. And it's it's this like reactive, like surface level you know, uh, actions that they're taking. And, um, Mm -hmm. it's sad. It's really sad to see. I mean, outside of that, like there were white images everywhere of yogis on, you know, uh, yoga journals, uh, Instagram page and in their magazine, like, like, no, you're not, you'll see 1% of uh, black and brown people on their posts Mm -hmm. and in their magazine, things like that. And just, and it's, it's just been, this really divisive uh, space and that's why I'm in it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be like that. Um, and just by me showing up, you know, makes it okay for other black yogis to show up, um, instructors to show up, students, uh, whatever that looks like. So um, yeah, I mean, it's been appropriated and, and the, the majority of the people, just like in society, like they rule the um, white people rule right now, the, the yoga space. So um, that's what we're going to mm-hmm. see. And they're going to put whatever spin they need to on it. They're going to make money off of it. They're going to charge. I don't know how much. Listen, these yoga memberships are like $250 a month and like crazy oh, nah. prices. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-mm. And listen, I became a teacher and I'm, I'm, that's why I go to yoga so much is because I'm not having to pay so much to do that. And, um, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's crazy that they don't make it accessible. And that's why I say divisive because mm-hmm. it's not accessible for, you know, black and brown people or people, um, you know, that are just underrepresented in, in these areas. So, um, so it's not accessible. Um, mm-hmm. so it, it, it definitely needs to change. And, you know, I, I try to show up in these spaces and, um, you know, share whatever resources and things that I have for studio owners and people that I know that do offer um, community classes and things that are accessible because it's important and we all need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, def- definitely that for sure. I've been to a fair share of community classes. Um, there was one particular class I went to years back and the instructor was Black and she taught comedic yoga which was supposed to be based off of ancient Kemet, right. which I thought was uh, really interesting. And it was my first time hearing about that. And she was very much an advocate of not practicing yoga practices that are rooted in like Indian culture, because right. she felt like, you know, we were appropriating, like all of us were appropriating their culture as well. So I never quite had an opinion on that. I was kind of just like, I like yoga, you know, I don't really care what... <laughs> I don't really care which one. I prefer Big Rob, but you know. <laughs> right. You're just doing the practice. I hear exactly. you. Exactly. And the benefits, you. as you said earlier, the emotional and physical benefits, spiritual benefits that come with practicing. I don't feel like that's right, something that right. should always just like I don't I don't know if it's appropriation to want to participate in that. Like I I think if you're being disrespectful to it. Um, that's one thing. Or like, as you said, as in like yoga, so white and you got Lululemon charging $80 <laughs> for leggings, <laughs> right, yoga leggings. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's a different exactly. Part. Yeah. So right. I see that like at you you clearly are very intentional about like your yogi career and, and how you kind of move through that space as an, a student and an instructor and, um, you know, an activist. How does that translate over to your photography and just in your photography in general? How do you use that as like, I don't want to say m- maybe more so to shine a lens on black yogis and also the LGBT community with your work? Right. So um, I just I just like exploring and kind of learning new things um, when it comes to like digital, digital art, uh, photography, things like that. So I pretty much uh, use my camera to kind of capture my practice, to share it. And I'm working on doing like some more like tutorials and videos and things like that um, hmm. uh, for, you know, just for people that are just starting out that can't afford a, a yoga membership. Um, yeah. So I do that. I also, um, you know, I shoot some some of my yogi friends that I that I know um, and their practice, you know, so I just kind of use I pretty much just use all of the things that I uh, am passionate about photography, graphic design and kind of help Mm -hmm. people um, and offer, you know, my services to people, uh, you know, in the yoga space. So I I uh, I just have a passion for all of those things and to be able to kind of use that creative energy to bring all of those things together is really uh, it's exciting for me. I love it. I, you know, I have fun with it. So um, that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. where I, where I'm at with that. Yeah. I know you talked about, um, but off offline, we talked about 
you wanting to shoot more and bring more awareness to like LGBTQ couples and right. individuals in photography. How have you been working on that? And like, what is your plan and your, your mission? Right. So, um, and I've been kind of planning it and I, and I say it, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I just haven't uh, taken that step, but I am, I have uh, analysis one, paralysis. Listen, my, I just, my, my <laughs> listeners, my <laughs> listeners, they, they know that phrase by now. Cause we, <laughs> I, my my wig has been snatched a couple of times by some guests for that. <laughs> listen, I know. And l- listen, accountability, definitely. Thank you mm-hmm. for that. But yeah, analysis is paralysis. It is. Um, so listen, I so I do have a, a photo shoot scheduled uh, with an LGBT couple and I'm going to... Uh, oh, you're going to hold me accountable now. You're going to hit me up on Slack <laughs> and be like, did you, did you schedule that shoot? Um, <laughs> so my plan is to, uh, you know, kind of, uh, more intentionally capture LGBT love, the community, just kind of what we stand for. Um, mm-hmm. I guess through, through my lens, um, no pun intended. Uh, so, ah. <laughs> so I want to really, uh, capture couples, um, do uh, like lifestyle photography, things like that. And like, just really embody mm-hmm. the uh, LGBT community and just, you know, and, and be able to show people what love looks like, what community looks like, things like that. And just, you know, do that through my work in photography. I, I think, uh, you know, th- that's something I've been thinking about a lot and I haven't taken mm-hmm. a whole bunch of um, action toward it, but um, it's something that, that I definitely am, uh, you know, moving towards and uh, making plans for. And now, I'm going to have an accountability partner, Jasmine. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I think that would be dope. Um, I have a, a makeup artist friend in New York. She, uh, cool. she, uh, she had a, a few ideas, you know, with us working together on some stuff. So, um, yeah, she's, she's really dope. She's really talented. Um, uh, her energy is awesome. Shout out to Patrice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's something I definitely want to start uh, start moving on and capturing, and then even you know capturing yogis in um, in the space. Like we need to be seen, you know, in the spaces. Mm-hmm. You can Google like uh, I don't know warrior one yoga pose, and if you go to images, you're probably going to see like all white people. You know what yes. I mean? So I just feel like maybe we need to do a big photo project and just flood the internet with with black yogis everywhere. I don't know. Yes, and we need and we need to reach out to some Google algorithm engineers and yes. and get our stuff to rank cuz I tell you one thing, if I google black hairstyles one more time and a white woman pop up, I cannot. Google is going to hear from me. <laughs> There's nothing I can't stand I can't. It's a side tangent. I cannot stand more than intentionally put black women x and still and still don't get black women. I'm like, come on. It's 2020. Come on. I, can't, I cannot. We got to take over. We got to take yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm I'm definitely going to hold you to that project. Okay. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing that photography. Um, I, I love seeing representation of all underrepresented groups. Um, we need to be seen. And especially the LGBTQ community in photography. Because... Right. Like, and I feel like you get some of the dopest pictures because you just have these different couples that appeal to these different audiences. And I love how it shakes the room. Right. It's like, we're here. We in this thing. 
right. you don't have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. And it's not it's not the cookie cutter, you know, white picket no. fence, white family. No. So um, no. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel like I feel like when I see photography like that on sites, especially business oriented sites, it it automatically taps into my brand loyalty. Because I'm like, you're showing right. something different. You're showing that you are inclusive, not just, you know, presenting, but you are actually just placing people on the site. It does. It shouldn't have to be a, a discussion of, do we need to include this particular person here, this particular person there? They're just people. We're all just people. No, and, and I'm right with you. I, I, I think like it starts with the people uh, behind the scenes, the people that are making mm-hmm. the decisions. Um it starts with their values. It starts with uh, what they stand for, because you can slap mm-hmm. a picture on a website, but like, are like, what, what, what's your company really behind? Are you being reactionary because like mm-hmm. somebody got shot yesterday or are you like, you know, mm-hmm. are you really standing for this? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. And it'll show, it'll show because I go right to Instagram on a uh, yoga journals, uh, Instagram page and I scroll all the way down to December, 2019. Mm-hmm. I see all these white yogis. So, like yeah. really, what do you stand for for real? Exactly, so. exactly. Um, and, and and you can tell. I know there was a a discussion about like imagery on site um, that came up the other day that I was in. And one mm-hmm. thing, an example that came up that was really interesting to me was someone mentioned they were placing a photo on site, like a stock photo for like how to reorganize your kitchen. Right. And so the designer chose to use a photo of a person with a disability who was in a wheelchair. And the pushback from the editor was like, well, I, this article isn't about people with disabilities. It's about redesigning a kitchen. It's like, so people with disabilities can't redesign their kitchen. Exactly. You know, like, it, <laughs> how does that matter? I'm pretty sure wheelchair or not, I need, I need my forks over here and my place <laughs> over there. Like what, what does that have to do with it? <laughs> you know, and that's what I'm, that's the thing. It's like, why can't it, we're, we're all just people just, place the photography on site stop going with what you think is the norm and what it is your environment people get so caught in their little bubble and I want my space or whatever I work on to be representative of my little bubble right not the world right exactly exactly yeah people get like they're so used to seeing slim white blonde model like Mm -hmm. no like let's put some some larger bodied people on websites, mm-hmm. on products, like things like that, because people historically, we haven't seen it. And now we're starting to shake things up and people are getting uncomfortable. Um, yeah. but, but we need to keep putting it out there so it can be yes. commonplace for, for um, just for business, for life. You know what I mean? So. Yes. Yes. I think there's even more recently a discussion that's been happening because of, I don't know if you've seen it on social, Torrid has been using models um, and Torrid is a site that traditionally markets towards um, heavier set people because that's their demographic. That's who they market right. to. Um, and so, of course, they, they market to plus size um, customers. And one of their images that's out now that's going viral is a person who does not have an hourglass shape, a woman who's not hourglass shape. And so, of course, the, the Internet being ruthless and right. immature as it can be are just like ridiculing this person for their their body type and tore it for using that person and it's like this is this is real life this is what people's bodies look like right and it should be represented and more specifically this is their customer base their shoot they're trying to sell to plus size people 
So it makes sense for them to have these images on their site. And so there's just a lot of fat shaming and, you know, just going on with that. And I'm just like, one day we're going to get to a place where this is not a conversation. (laughs) Right. It it should not even be a conversation. Like, come on. People are just, they're, they're kind of, they have this uh, laser tunnel vision about what things Mm -hmm. should look like or how things should be that, you know, when they see something that's, that's not in their cookie cutter image, they, 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 they have an issue with it um, because it makes them uncomfortable. Like, no, this is, right. these are real people. Like this is what reality is. So it's crazy. Yes. yes. So your work is much needed and much appreciated. So thank you. Yeah, no, for, for every one person that is ever offended or whatever about whatever. Um, and I'm very, um, ridiculously pro-black on social media so I pissed off a lot of my white classmates <laughs> from college <laughs> I love it I love it so I, I'm, I'm used to people like being pissed but it's like regardless this one person who was pissed there were 10 to 15 other people who felt seen right who felt heard and exactly. who felt interested in learning more at the minimum so your work is needed. It is necessary as a Black yogi, as a Black LGBTQ person who is a photographer, who is this creative and just representing in these spaces. We need you in these spaces. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm glad to be in the spaces and just, you know, support mm-hmm. other people and encourage them because if we don't show up in the spaces, nobody's going to think it's okay for us to be there. So we have to just show up. Yes. Even if it's not asked, you know what I mean? So. Yes. That is so, that is so, so, so important. Show up, even if we're not asked. Matter of fact, I don't want you to ask. I want <laughs> to disrupt your space. I am an intentional disruptor. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. Yes. So as we get ready to wrap up, what advice do you have for aspiring Black professionals who are looking to use their art to bring awareness? Um, just be curious. I think really be curious. Um, a lot of times, like throughout my whole process, um, from starting out, I was just curious. Um, I figured out what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, I failed a lot. I kept trying, um, you know, and these, uh, few things really stuck with me and I'm like really passionate about it. Um, and figure out why you're doing what you're doing. Mm. Um, you know, what's the purpose behind what you're doing what value are you adding to the world? Not just monetarily, but, um, you know, spiritually, like for humanity, mm. like, um, how yeah. are you, yeah. How are you like, uh, bringing people together? Um, you know, and be yourself and share what you love. You know what I mean? And I, I feel like I, you can, you do that. You'll be good. Um, just logistically, um, <clears throat> I'd say get feedback from people who are where you want to be. Um, mm-hmm. you don't want, yes, people telling you yes to everything you do because it might be trash. Mm. Um, yes, that, no, that's <laughs> the truth right there. You don't need yes people in your corner. Right. So um, I say, you know, surround yourself with people who are already where you want to be, who are mm-hmm. where you aspire to be. And, um, you know, just learn from them um, and just keep practicing, um, hone in on your craft and um, get an accountability partner that's going to, you know, call you and be like, did you do that thing yet that you said you right. didn't want to do? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, just, just, just surround yourself with positive people and just do what you love. Really. That's it. 
Yes, that that is so true. And I, I love bringing in that anytime there's an opportunity to say it, I'm going to say it. Do not be the smartest person in the room. You are in the wrong room. Right, right. You are in the wrong room. And it took me it took me a, a long time to really get that. Like I heard it, but I didn't really get that. Because I kind of liked being the smart person. You know, like, right. I know this and I know that. And I have my degree in law, blah, 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 nose in the air, you know, uh, pinky in the air, SpongeBob. But, <laughs> you know, just like just like being that person and being able to say like be, that bravado. But it's like, what am I learning? How am right. I growing if I'm not learning from the people I'm surrounding myself with on a regular basis? Right. That's And that's that ego thing. You know, if, if you yes. want to be the smartest person in the room, you need to get humbled a little bit. And um, just like when I mm-hmm. did yoga for the first time, I'm like, yeah, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I work out, I do this, but I was definitely a beginner and um, I was mm-hmm. humbled. So just make sure you humble yourself and, and, you know, just keep coming back to um, why you're doing what you're doing. Yes. Yes. Humility is key for sure. Definitely. And yoga will definitely humble any athlete. <laughs> I challenge any single person listening to this who has never been to a yoga class, especially if you consider yourself an athlete, to take your behind to a yoga class. Yes. I guarantee it. <laughs> yes. And ma- matter of fact, Sundays, uh, 8.30 a.m. at Kali Yoga Studio. Come through and um, I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, I would love to meet y'all. <laughs> Yes, yes. Plug, 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 plug it. Okay. And I was just going to say Kali Yoga, they offer uh, $10 drop-ins, really accessible um, price points for uh, everybody. You know what I mean? Really good community mm-hmm. yoga studio. So um, definitely check them out um, if you get a chance. I love that you mentioned that too, because that that's definitely a barrier when, you know, yoga is being priced just ridiculously and people can't even attend a class. So, right. yes. Yeah, we definitely, anytime you can find a community yoga class near you, or definitely if you're in the Charlotte area and you can make the trip to Erica's class, definitely drop in. You may see me too, because I'm definitely going to be attending some of your classes now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. Okay, so how can people find you online to keep pace with your creative journey? So you can find me on uh, Instagram. My yoga account for Instagram is at... Erica Yoga, that's E-R-I-C-K-A Yoga, all one word. Um, if you want to follow my design slash photography page on Instagram, it's Erica underscore East. That's E-R-I-C-K-A underscore E-A-S-T. Um, and then you can go to my website. All my stuff is uh, on my Instagram page, or you can go to EricaEast.com. And there you have it. Thanks again so much for being on the show. So happy that I finally, we finally got the schedule. Yes, we made it happen. <laughs> so we Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was so awesome to kind of talk about my journey and just be able to share it with people. Um, so, you know, hopefully uh, there's some impact, uh, some positive impact from, uh, you know, this talk. And it was just really good just connecting and talking with you through, you know, my process and, you know, my creative uh, passion. So thank you so much for having me. I love, love, love the representation that Erica just provided today for the show. She came in and shared so much insight on the power of representation in so many spaces across the creative spectrum. As usual, I'm going to hit you with five key takeaways. Number one, use creative energy to bring all of your creative interests together. 
Erica talked a lot about being a jack of all trades, sort of, you know, being interested in multiple things. And she is able to use all of her powers combined to be a super representative creative across everything that she's interested in. Number two, be curious and don't be afraid to try things. Figure out what you like and don't like. Fail a lot, fail fast, keep trying. Stick with what sticks with you and then be passionate about that. Find out why you're doing what you're doing. What value are you adding to the world beyond money, but spiritually for humanity? How are you bringing people together? Such a powerful quote from Erica. Number three, sometimes your passion isn't something that you're already good at. Sometimes it's something that challenges you and you may actually be really bad at. You know, I heard a really good quote the other day that said that the first step of getting better at something or becoming an expert at something is being not good at something and then being kind of okay at something. So small steps to get you there. Next thing you know, you may be an expert. You may want to do that for a living and monetize it. Number four, in industries dominated by majority culture, push back. Erica spoke a lot about the plight of black yogis, instructors and students fighting to make yoga less divisive and more inclusive and more accessible. So that includes everything from creating welcoming spaces for yogis of color, of all body types, all the way to affordable pricing for classes. Number five, even if you feel like your craft is a spiritual practice and you should be giving it away, you're like, you know, I really just love this. I want to do this. I want to give it away because you want to empower the community. You want to share that. You can still find a way to balance that with monetization. There's nothing wrong with wanting to monetize a part of your craft. It's the society that we live in. We live in a society that functions off of, you know, monetization. You have to be able to survive. So value your time and others will too. And you can always do community events. You can always take on an occasional pro bono client or partner with a nonprofit to give back. That's all I have for you today. As usual, if you like the episode, if you don't like the episode, Give me feedback. I just want to hear from you. You can email me jazz at blackexecutive.com. You can also submit feedback on blackexecutive.com and you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, keep aspiring to inspire. Thanks for listening to another episode of Black Executive. If you enjoyed listening in on this convo, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black Executive. Have something to add to the conversation? Visit blackexecutive.com to leave feedback and your thoughts could be featured on a later episode. While you're there, pick up your exclusive Black Executive gear and rep the culture. And spread the knowledge. If you know a Black creative trying to go pro, a corporate mogul looking to advance, or a cousin that's always hustling but never gets an idea going, drop them a link to the show. Until next time, keep aspiring to inspire. <laughs>